here, glad that you're here. If I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors here. And I get the privilege today on Pentecost Sunday to wrap up our series, Jesus is Lord over everything. And if you are newer to church, or maybe you've been a part of church for a long time, but you're, the church families you were a part of didn't talk much about maybe the church calendar or the liturgical calendar, you might be hearing about Pentecost Sunday for the first time today. You can actually just Wikipedia or Google what is Pentecost Sunday. It will fill you in, but I will fill you in a little bit on today. It is simply the day that the promise of Jesus for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to empower the church is recognized, and we want to recognize that year after year after year because we believe Jesus lived his life full of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and then his promise to the disciples was, I will not leave you alone. I will give you the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit to be with you. Here at the Vineyard, we believe in the Trinitarian God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that, and we see that in the scriptures. And so I'm going to share a little bit about that today as we conclude this series. I do want to let you in on where we are headed. This summer, we are going to study the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. The reason we want to do that is we think that the Lord has some encouragements for us, probably some challenges. If you've ever read the Bible, you should feel challenged regularly. That's a good thing. The Holy Spirit will meet you in that place to lead you and guide you into truth. That's one of the things that Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. But we as a church believe reading Scripture together is good for our soul. It is actually good for the transforming work of God in us. And so here's what's going to happen. On Sundays, we're going to be reading through the book of Daniel. We're going to encourage you to read the book of Daniel when you're not at church. And then some of our small groups, especially the Wednesday night group that's meeting here at the building, are going to dig deeper into the book of Daniel. So we're excited about that. It's our summer book series. We hope that you'll join us. We want to encourage everyone to be letting Scripture Fill your heart, mind, soul, and life so that much like Jesus, it overflows out of us in all circumstances, in all situations. We think that is really a good thing. So as we conclude this series, Jesus is Lord over everything, what we're saying is Jesus is Lord over everything, over everything, which means our most true identity, the thing that will give us the most life is to recognize Jesus as the authority above all other voices and authorities that are trying to assert their authority and ideology and even sometimes idolatry into our lives. We want everything inside of us to bow to King Jesus. In this series, we've looked at a couple different things. We've looked at in scriptures when Jesus is Lord over everything, we are loved over lost. We get welcomed into the family. We can experience faith over fear. Time and time again in scriptures, God's encouragement to us is do not be afraid. We can experience freedom over oppression. Jesus said of himself, I have come to set the captives free, to proclaim freedom to the oppressed. That is good news. That is what happens when Jesus is Lord. We understand that in the kingdom of God, there's healing over sickness, that sickness and death do not get the final word, but there, there's this ultimate work that God is doing to bring redemption and wholeness and healing into the story. That there's forgiveness. 
When Jesus is Lord over everything, we experience forgiveness from God, super important, highly recommend it, and then we become a community of forgiveness that look towards one another and say, I forgive you generously because of the generosity of God in my own life, forgiving me and setting me free from every sin, from every oppression, from everything that tries to steal, kill, and destroy. We do not have to stay in a place of judgment, but we can show the world the way of forgiveness. And finally, we know that the heart of God is unity over division. Church, if there is a way that I would love for us to be described by our city, in this day and time, for people to look at us as a church family and go, they are understanding the way of Jesus because they are learning how to walk in unity. The reason we can walk in unity is because we find unity in Jesus being Lord over everything. So no matter what differences we might have, Reebok or Nike, Puma or Adidas, or the other 100,000 brands of shoes that you can put on your feet, wherever there is differences, those differences pale in comparison to being able to look at someone and say, you are made in the image of God. The love of God is for you in Jesus, and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in every follower of Jesus, so immediately the Holy Spirit unites us in a way that we cannot do by human strength or differences of kind of all the day and time that it is available to us. We tell a better story, a story of redemption found in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Unity over division. Unity over division. And one of the re-kind-of-curring themes that we've said in this series is we can live under the authority of Jesus when we live anchored in the love of Jesus. You are loved. God's love for you is great. And the greatest lie you are going to have to confront over and over and over again is from the enemy, because we've talked about spiritual warfare in this series, the enemy wants you to believe God is not for you. God is holding out on you. God does not want the best for you. God's pretty much like the worst. And the enemy wants you to believe that you are not loved by the creator God. We can live under the authority of Jesus when we live anchored in the love of Jesus. And what we're going to finish today, I think, is perfect for this Pentecost Sunday because what we know in a kingdom where there is a living God, it's the story of Easter. Jesus came, lived, was crucified, and resurrected. When there is a living God, we need to be a community that understands in God's kingdom expectancy is over apathy. Expectancy needs to take residency in our hearts, minds, lives, and our faith that God is faithful, God is at work, God is alive, which means we can be a community living in expectancy that the living God is up to something even when we don't see it. 
even when we don't feel it, we can anchor in expectancy as opposed to apathy. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church. This is the story of Pentecost that moves us in the life of Jesus from Easter, woo, he is risen, to Pentecost. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, but I will pour out my spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gets poured out on the church, and we believe that is true today. Check out this video to give us three minutes of insight from the Bible Project. Luke. We know it as the Gospel of Luke, but Luke continued the story in a second volume called the Book of Acts. And it's all about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection. Acts begins with the disciples who are hanging out with Jesus, who's just come back to life, which is mind-blowing to imagine. And then for weeks, the risen Jesus kept teaching them about his upside-down kingdom, the new creation that he launched through his death and resurrection. This is exciting stuff, and the disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait, and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a road map for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is going to come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival it's during the early summer, and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house, which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. But that was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus' body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. What's this all about? Well, Peter gets up to explain that this is the fulfillment of Israel's hopes based on the scriptures. God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. But the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. Which brings us to Luke's tale of two temples. So you've got the temple that Herod built in Jerusalem, where Jesus' disciples worship like the rest of the Israelites. But now there's also Jesus' temple, which consists of people. This temple's meeting together in homes all over Jerusalem, and they were approaching life in a radical new way. Right, think about it. Many of these pilgrims aren't even from Jerusalem, so 
they've formed these new families, and they're all depending on each other. Yeah, people would sell their stuff, provide for the poor among them. They ate their meals together. They said their daily prayers together. They were learning from the apostles what it meant to live as if Jesus is the true king of the world. One of the earliest accounts about Jesus of Nazareth is life. Church understood the importance to wait, to receive, and to witness. To wait, to receive, and to witness. We cannot embrace the experience of the Holy Spirit for ourselves and keep it there. It is always to be an experience that empowers us outward. And the cry of my heart, the thing that I find myself thinking about when I see headline after headline after headline, when I avoid the news altogether and I pay attention to my own headline after headline after headline and my own thoughts, my own anxiety, my own worries, fears, concerns for my own life, for my family's life, for a church family, for a city is this. We need this same move of God in our time in our cities, and in our own lives. The work of God to birth the church by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need the same work here and now today. We need to cultivate expectancy over apathy in our faith life and in us together as a community. Together. Like, that's what I love about the Bible Project video is they clearly say, wait for what Jesus is up to, receive what God is doing, and then witness to it. Tell the people in your life. And that the church becomes these mobile temples of the empowering presence of God everywhere we go. And I believe I am here today as a follower of Jesus because of the faithfulness of the church through decades. And isn't it an incredible gift we could give to our city, to our neighborhoods, to our families, to be that same kind of community as well? See, when we begin to understand this idea of expectancy, what I think we begin to see is this. Expectancy is faith expressed as trust that God is at work. Expectancy is faith expressed as trust when we are waiting. Anybody ever had to wait for anything? Yep, our kids are having to wait for cell phones. Three people understand that joke. It is okay. No. See, the thing is, is how many of you like to wait? That's a better question. Okay, everybody boo. Boo! We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. I want things now. The problem is, what we see is sometimes God says, wait. Wait. And what happens when we wait with faith is we are living with expectancy. That God will deliver on the thing he's asking us to wait for. Expectancy is faith expressed in our waiting. 
But here's the trap. I was talking with my wife, Lauren, about this, and what she said was so good. Apathy is the temptation when you are waiting. When you are waiting for something, apathy wants to sneak in and take away the faith that's going to happen and cause you to lose interest, to begin to not care, and to become inactive. To become inactive. Expectancy keeps our faith active in, wait, in waiting seasons. Apathy checks us out. Just go, whatever. It doesn't matter anyway. I don't really care. And that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to move into the hearts of the church and cause us to be more apathetic about what God is or is not doing as opposed to being expectant for the Holy Spirit to move in our day and time like we see in the scriptures. Expectancy keeps us anchored in a relationship with God. I'm willing to wait for you because I'm connected to you. I'm in your presence. And I believe that you are faithful now like you've been through all the ages. Apathy does a different work. It actually disconnects you from the living God. You get distracted. You begin to give your energy and attention to other things. And you begin to lose faith for God to do anything different than what you see happening. And it's all over the scriptures. Acts 1 is what the video references. It says this in Acts 1, starting in verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Do y'all recognize that the Holy Spirit was already present in the instruction giving? And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let Jesus be Lord over everything. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Everybody's been looking at end times since people have been around, okay? God's got it. We need to live faithful to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our day and time. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. We do not leave the witnessing up to anybody else. We get to wait, we get to receive, and we get to witness. In Acts 2, it goes on to unfold that this is what happened. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Just show of hands, if that happened right now in this gathering, how many of you would be like ducking for cover? Everybody raise your hand. Come on. We would be like, what is going on? But it's expectancy that had captured their hearts to a faithful God that they could not control. But they were postured in receptivity to God, would you come? Would you come? 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Jumping down to Acts 2, verse 36, empowered for the witness, this is what one of the disciples says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Lord over all and the one who saves. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? It is a transformative work that God is always up to, working to redeem, working to move, working to cut to our heart. And when we are receptive and when we are open to what God is doing, our response will be, what do you want us to do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Church, the faithfulness of God to people means everyone who calls on the name of the Lord and everyone who says, Jesus, I need you, gets the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everyone gets to receive. The early people in the room who started this thing and were faithful to wait, they received and then they witnessed and then the people hear the witness and they go, what do we do? And they go, believe and receive. Believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. That is the good news of the gospel. And you might be going, but hold on. What about Article 5, Subset 6 of Point C to AZ? I don't, really, I don't even know what to tell you. I don't even know what I'm talking about, and you're confused now too. It doesn't matter compared to Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's my point. What should we do? Believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. Expectancy anchors us in hope. How's your hope tank? How's your hope tank right now? Sometimes being a pastor causes you to have a really low hope tank. And you would think it's the opposite. You would think it's the opposite, right? Like, oh, you're a pastor. You must be full of hope all the time. Not when I live by my own strength and power. Not when I try to make sense of everything out of my own spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, I'm reminded that the faithfulness of God thousands of years ago is faithful today. And when I live with expectancy, I get anchored in hope, which means I'm still willing to wait. God, it's yours. Come. You love to be with people. Come. Apathy causes disregard. I don't care. Whatever. I give up. It's all broken. It can't be fixed. There's no hope. There's no hope. Here's what I would say. Outside of the Holy Spirit, I don't know of any hope for humanity. So either we can put our hope in humans and have none, or we can put our hope in the living God, which is the Holy Spirit here dwelling among us at work here and now, and we can have expectancy for ourselves and for our city. Here's the next one. Expectancy will align us with God's kingdom. Come and coming. 
come and coming. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God with the early church. He says, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. You can witness to who I am and what I'm doing in the earth. And there still is a day coming where I'm going to make it all new. I'm going to make it all good and all right. We are in a waiting period. And the only way we can survive this waiting period is to say, come Holy Spirit. Expectancy in the Spirit of God or we will live with apathy. Expectancy will cause us to stay receptive. Apathy will cause our heart to grow cold and hard. God, you don't care. God, you are not here. God, you are not working. I'm going to go handle it by my own strength, by my own power. I don't need the Holy Spirit. I got this. Apathy will just cause us to drift and disregard. Expectancy will activate our faith for witness. We just begin to believe that God is at work. God's pursuing the people around us because God's pursuing me, and I think God's at work in your life. I think God wants to show himself powerful and faithful to you. That's expectancy, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in me, wants to be poured out on you, which means he wants to have rule and reign in our cities. That anchors us in a story of good news. We wait, we receive, and we witness again and again and again. Again and again and again. And so next year on Pentecost Sunday, we are going to stand up and we're going to say, God, would you come? Would you come and would you make things more like your kingdom? Would you come and make us more whole? Would you fill us with your power? Would you empower us so that we could love and serve our city with compassion? That we would feed the hungry. We would take care of the poor. We would parent with kingdom authority and kindness. We would love our neighbors as ourselves. Holy Spirit, would you come and have your way? We need so we wait, and we receive the kingdom of God, and we witness to the kingdom of God again and again and again and again, and we pray with expectancy, and we wait with expectancy, and we worship with expectancy that the presence of God still comes to the people. And here's what it looks like sometimes. In the Old Testament, Joel prophesies about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Joel 2, it says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. These are those days. These are those days, according to scripture. And here's what it looks like in a picture form. There is a desert in Chile called the Atacama Desert. Anybody ever been to a desert before? Not great, okay? Just look at this picture. Look at this next picture. This is what the Atacama Desert looks like. It is the driest, oldest desert on planet Earth. When we look at the world through the lens of apathy, this is what the world looks like. It is barren, it is lifeless. It is not good. But here's what's interesting about the Atacama Desert. Every five to seven years, something remarkable happens. It gets rain. And that 
desert, experiences what's called, sorry, my language skills are lacking, but desierto florido, a flowerful desert. And this is what it turns into. This is what the Holy Spirit does to our lives. This is what the kingdom of God does in places and spaces where it's welcomed. Because in order for this to happen, do you know what's sitting just beneath the surface in the Atacama Desert? Seeds. And when the rains fall and the ground is willing and receptive, the water hits and it bursts into life called a super bloom. People travel from all over to catch this when it happens. This is what God wants to do in your life. This is what God wants to do in our community. And just for the record, this is what our city needs for us to be to them. The city, the families around us, the people need us to be that water, that we come with the Holy Spirit and we water and we shower them with love and with peace and with joy and with kindness and with goodness and with faithfulness, that we witness to the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a move of God in our time. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not for our own experience, so that we are empowered to live a beautiful life that people will be drawn to because they see the living God at work. Come, Holy Spirit. Wait, receive, and witness. So here's how you wait. You get still. And you just ask, God, do you want to say anything? doesn't have to be rushing wind and it doesn't have to be tongues of fire it could be and we'd all be as shocked as they were <laughs> and we would talk about it for a couple thousand years So God, we just say, come. We need you. We want you here. We want you in this place. And so we just say, come. And I just pray that even now as we wait, that you would just begin to speak to each person in the room to encounter them. Maybe it's going to be a physical awareness of your presence that we just begin to feel peace. Maybe you begin to just fill our head with thoughts of your goodness and your love. We say, come. We need you.
I want to talk to us a little bit about how to do this. We're going we're gonna to take a few more minutes to just wait, but I want to, this might be new for you. You might be like, this is so weird. Good. We're in a good spot then. Here's why. If, if life for you is just working beautifully and you've got it figured out, keep going. <laughs> just way to go. If there are things in you that make you realize you, you are not God and you, you have limits and you have concerns and you have frustrations and you have fears, if you have longings and desires in your heart, like, God, I actually want that prayer we prayed earlier in the service for your kingdom to come, for heaven to come to earth, we just begin to say, God, come. Come, Holy Spirit. That posture is just an invitation. So when we wait, we're actually inviting God to come. Here's where it's hard. You have to give up control, and you have to let go of expectations. Give up control and let go of expectations. The easiest things for us to do. Yeah. Like even for me, like I'm just going to be real transparent. I would love for you to leave today and go, that was the most powerful service I've ever experienced at the vineyard. And then like 100 more people show up next week. Because we all went out and witnessed, and 100 people get saved, and this baptismal tank is just one after another after another of witness of the goodness of God. And what if it's not 100? Oh, God, I quit. Apathy. No. Let the hunger of God take up more of your heart and soul. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is how we wait. God, we need you. God, we want more of your life and less death. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we want more hope and less heartache. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I want more joy. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I want my kids to know you. God, I want people to be set free from depression and suicide. Come, Holy Spirit. So what comes up for you as you wait? Share that in relationship with God. Where do you have a need? Come, Holy Spirit, meet us and fill us with your presence. So we wait and we ask.
Here's how I want to close our time. I want to encourage you to do more of this this week. Five minutes is not going to be enough. (laughs) You can come back and wait some more tonight for our night of worship and prayer. Just be in God's presence. I do know God is making all things new. But here's what I want to do before we close. When you saw the picture of the flowers, if something inside of you just said, yes. If something inside of you went, I want that, I want you to stand. And if as you've been hearing the scriptures read today, and you find yourself going, I've never really thought, but I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm going to invite you to stand. Or if at the end, when we were waiting, you just went like, I've never done this before, but I want more of this. And there's no pressure. Don't, don't stand unless you like, want to stand. Like, but just, I just want to pray for the people that feel God just stirring something in you. And then we're all going to stand together as a community because what I do know is this. It will take all of us. One of our prayer team members texted me and said as she's been praying, the phrase kept coming up for her, no more spectators. We need the church empowered and engaged outside of these walls. But it did start with the church gathering and encountering the living God and going, I know what I have to give away. So God, we bless the people that are standing and I ask that you would pour out your spirit on them. The thing that you are speaking about, the thing that you are stirring in them, we bless that And we just say, do what you would want to do. Fill them, Holy Spirit, fresh and new, familiar and unfamiliar ways of encounter, that they would be free from the expectations of how you will move and what you will do, but that that thing that came alive in them when they saw the picture of the desert in full bloom, speak now in Jesus' name. And here at the Vineyard, what we know is we're walking together, so I'd like everybody to stand together. We know that this is a journey where we need to walk and encourage and bless one another. And so, God, we just together as a community say, come, Holy Spirit. Would you come? Would you move? Would you, in our day and time, surprise us with your faithfulness? And we bless the church to not just experience your goodness, but to Be empowered to extend your goodness as a faithful witness to our city. Give us a passion for the people not here yet. Give us a passion for the people that need to hear your good news. Give us a passion for our neighbors and our neighborhoods. Give us a passion to speak the name of Jesus and the hope of Jesus everywhere we go. We bless them to know you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.